Lord, thank you for today. You say, teach us your ways. We, we know some of your ways. Maybe some of us know a lot of your ways, but there's always more of relating to you and living as your children. We ask that this morning you um, speak to all of us here. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I, let's see, a couple weeks ago, I was reading about Noah and um, mentioned, um, you know, how, what God said about Noah, I think it's chapter 6, verse 8. It's the part about where Noah found favor in God's eyes. Chapter This is New American Standard. Um, there was wickedness going on everywhere. And it said in verse 5, Then the Lord said that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. And then he goes on down and he mentions... Uh, in verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. That little phrase, a righteous man, you know, you ever roll that around? It's, a, it's, it's something we think we can all come up with uh, explanation. I mean, explain it in a few words. Um, so I, I thought I'd work on that here for a few minutes. Um, and so I have Brooke here to correct me. That's good. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll explain about that part in a minute, Brooke. When I, I thought, I need Brooke to ask him a couple of questions. Um, we, I mentioned um, last time I spoke, I think uh, um, I was doing, uh, Jamie had taught on, um, John the Baptist. And so then I taught, backed up, but since you were in that chapter, um, I decided I'd back up to the beginning of the story, kind of, and come forward. And so I um, ended up teaching kind of Matthew 1 and 2. And, you know, in Matthew 1, talking about Joseph last time, and saying, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, and uh, this is, uh, you know, Mary is engaged to Joseph, and then it says, 19, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But there's that phrase, a righteous man. That's that same phrase about a long time ago with Noah, that Noah was a righteous man. And Joseph was a righteous man. There's something to this being righteous. Um, there is a place in... So I thought I'd go over to... Um, I'm going to use some of the same material that 
uh, Jamie used, but we, she emphasized different things, and I was hoping I'd have enough time to uh, go back and play her message. I love being able to go back and do these messages and stuff, and so, so Jamie, if you have something that you go, no, let me add this to that or or something. Um, Matthew in chap chapter three. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And for, and for this is the one referred to by Isaiah, the prophet, when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Isaiah. Let's turn over there for a minute. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 3. We'll kind of do like a few verses here. A voice is crying, Clear the way for the Lord in the righteousness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be filled up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. And then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries out and says, calls out. And he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass. All its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. How about a few more verses? Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up voice, my, your, lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up. Do, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah. Here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Arms use this, this symbol of the Messiah. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. And in his arms, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead the nursing ewes, the nursing lambs. Got another psalm down here. Psalm eleven seven. Psalm eleven seven says, For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Let's see. Noah is righteous. Joseph is righteous. God is saying through King David in this song, he's written this song, the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. You suppose righteousness is a big deal? So let's back up a little further. Our culture, 
I'll, I'll turn toward Brooke, but I'm not talking just to Brooke, but he's just the... You're just here. So, Mr. Brooke, <laughs> culture had different... Are they philosophies or philosophers? I mean, when, when they start having a, a thought form that goes out, what's the correct name? Is that a philosopher or a, a sock person? I mean, a person who put something out and, and a, a part of a society starts listening to what they're teaching or saying and then pretty soon it picks up in the, in the society and so many years later and the whole society is doing what this person started saying. What, what is their background, a person that does that? Uh, politician. politician. <laughs> so, uh, Sartre. Like, well, what I was thinking about was in our culture, um, in the Western culture, I guess, is that I'll hear people that will say every so often, and Ron Gadsden is not, you know, this is kind of the, still part of the Bible Belt, so, but, it, but they're there, and they're, and they're more vocal than they used to be. And, the, and if I happen to mention uh, God, God of the Bible, sometimes they'll just say right straightforward going, well, you know, I... I, I take some of that, some of it I don't take. I, I believe this, and, and I've kind of added that to it. So that whole philosophical point of view is there's nothing um, better than anything else. There's not anything wiser than somebody else's. So, so whatever you think and whatever the other person thinks, is so they're equal. So that has gone out, right, and seems to be increasing. Okay, so now is that a ph philosophy? Is that, uh, am I using the right word? So let's take, let's take this thought of righteousness. Now, as Christians, we, we may all say that righteousness is, is a, a good thing, a wise thing, that we should attempt to live righteously. We see stories from the Judeo-Christian of these 66 books of right, every so often there are little parts of stories or it just outright says something about somebody. Noah was righteous. Uh, Joseph was righteous. Uh, we probably got make a list of people that are listed in, if we try to look up righteous and some people's names to go with them. So, but we got the culture telling us it's not, that's not such a big deal. So we've got, on the one hand, the Christians saying, it is a big deal to us. And then we've got others from the culture saying, eh, believe what you want to believe. You know, if whatever you like, do that. So, righteousness kind of leads to... Um, Well, it, it, it leads to an understanding of salvation. You, get, you, you can get from righteousness to, to eventually to the idea of salvation, of that we need to be, people can be saved or not saved. What was some, I was trying to look up a few things and I, I found a wonderful article, but it was so long it was like 
pull some sentences out. You know, we, you know, it, it'll turn into a big long lecture, and y'all go, "What was he trying to say?" I don't know. <laughs> you know, I could read it. Um, in systematic theology, Wayne Grudem says, uh, "God always acts in accordance with what is right, and is Himself the final standard of what is right." So what that means is is that righteousness is an attribute of God. It's a characteristic of God. We could have, just for the sake of argument, I mean, we, we could have had a God that was very good at creative, but then he had another part of his personality that was really warped, and you never knew how he was going to treat you. So you kind of feared this, this powerful creator, this God, you sort of like the Greek gods or some or the Roman gods. You know, some of them have good days, some of them have bad days. You didn't want to be on the bad day side of one of them. You know, kind of lightning bolts and that kind of stuff. So, but thank goodness the real God's not like that. He, the real God is. Um, he acts in certain ways. He always acts. Here again, this is Wayne talking in systematic theology. God always acts in accordance with what is right and is himself the final standard of what is right. Okay. Now, you're, you're saying yes to that. I'd say yes to that. But having a kind of a straw person, I mean, not a straw person, but, but, but someone else with a different point of view they might say, well, yeah, but I don't believe that this creator is always right. And because of the philosophy that's gone across the Western culture says, well, we both can have our beliefs. On paper, it's kind of equal. They say no about it. But I say, uh, no, it's important, this right act, acting rightly. Is this making sense, kind of trying to tell that this is not, this is more in books area of being able to bring out stuff. I'm better at reading stories and pulling out points of view about people and stories in the Bible. Um, how about this? So... So righteousness is an attribute of God. I, I, I can find that like in Psalms um, 11, 7, it, it talks about that. I won't look it up. Um, so righteousness is a statement about God's moral nature, and it means that he never does wrong. God's righteousness means that he cannot do wrong. So even though we're talking about people in Scripture, Noah was a righteous person, okay? Joseph was righteous because he did rightly toward Mary. What's the measurement of rightness, of righteousness for these two, huh? God was the measure, right. God, God was the measure. They were measuring, when we look at Scripture, Noah is being measured by God. 
how, how Noah acts based on how God acts that we can say, therefore, Noah was righteous. He acted in ways about life that God would have developed. Joseph acted righteously toward Mary. So you and I have this potential to act righteously or not. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we got this thing of our progenitors of Adam and Eve, and they got in trouble. <laughs> you know. so, so, so we have this stuff going on. So then, um, like in 1 John 1, 5, it says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So that seems simple for you and I as Christians because we probably take these 66 books as being inspired and that we don't think like like 49 of the books are, are, are inspired and they're safe and the other ones we're not so sure of and we don't really, you know, we start cutting and pasting out. And we have assumptions about God based on what we know about him through the scriptures. And because of that, we... Which he's given us a conscience to, says in Romans, but we start weighing our ourselves, our friends, people we know, whether they're acting righteous or not. And we get that because we've got these we've got these words in this book, these sixty six books. I knew this was going to be harder than I thought it was. Let's talk about a movie or something. No. <laughs> yes, please. That's good because I, I I happen on my on the other back side of the piece of paper I have Second Corinthians five twenty one. So, so maybe this is on God's mind. All this, and and that's uh, I think I've got something about that thought somewhere in me. Um, I'm gonna keep plowing ahead here. <laughs> Man is righteous only as much as his morality expressed in desires, thoughts, and deeds conform to that of God's. Where he differs with God, he is unrighteous. Do I need to read that again? That's, that's got it. Okay, so man is righteous only as much as his morality expressed in desires, thoughts, and deeds conforms to that of God's. Where he differs with God, he is unrighteous. You start running into cultural things as we start 
you know. Of course, here we are Christians in this particular culture, and it doesn't matter which culture around the world, Christians would still have certain ways that they approach situations. And at some point, the culture, if it's a non-Christian culture, like, uh, oh, what's some stuff? There's some, stu there's some stuff that's go has been going in on in Japan for a while that you run into. You think that, that, hey, you know, we're Christian. We can go over there and visit. And we can do stuff. And it's okay until we run into something with their system of justice. And we found out that they don't like to lose in court. In fact, before they go to court, they've already worked it out so that they will win the, the Japanese people in charge of something. So if you're on the wrong side of the situation and you've got this, you're coming from an, as an American person, we have built into our system judo-christian ideas of justice so much so that it's in the fabric of who we are that we don't even examine it until we come up against another culture so uh, across the table is a japanese uh, person representing their 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 a judge somebody's acting as a you know he's he's representing their culture and situation and and suddenly well, they don't see it at all the same way that you and I see it as Americans. We don't realize that we're running into cultural, cultural things that have to do with righteousness. That the two cultures have an area, this section in the middle, that we don't define righteousness the same way at all. And in fact, we don't really want to get caught in this because... We're coming from our culture, and they're coming from their culture, and we're in their country right there. That was a terrible illustration. I did that one off the top of the head because there's some stuff going on, always going on. But Okay. Yes, that, that's just m miraculous. This whole story is that you're right. I I can't live up to it. So that's what that's what the gospel is, the good news. And the good news is that because there was one that was born of Mary, born of man, but born of God, and he could be this because he was righteous. And not only that, but he could be your substitute so that Father God, who is the right one, who does all things in order, he could see you in Jesus and that substitution makes you able to come into his, our, you know, the righteous Father's presence in 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 his son this is just uh uh go i'm gonna go back to matthew chapter three where jamie had talked the other day but just emphasize some of this so um 
John's down at the river baptizing in the Jordan. And uh, he saw me, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7, he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism. He said to them, you brood of vipers, snakes, you who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit, righteous fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with the water of repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His willowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor using the whole image of pitching up, pitching up the wheat, the chaff comes off, you know, they build this fire. The fire is sucking in uh, because the fire's back here and there's a tunnel in front of it. And so they're pitching the wheat up in front of the tunnel. And every time they pitch it up, the chaff comes off of the outside and it's sucked because it's lightweight. It's lighter than the wheat. The wheat falls to the ground. The chaff pulls, sucked into the tunnel and it burns. It's, it's feeding the fire at the end of the tunnel while the wheat is being is falling down so that they can gather the wheat so he's thoroughly going to cleanse the threshing floor every so often have to stop get up all the wheat you know save the wheat whatever chaff still laying around you pitch it into the tunnel you're going to do that and then you you do you know do the next round he will gather his wheat into the barn and then he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire Verse 13, and then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Verse 15, but Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. And after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Righteous Father has spoken from the clouds, saying, this is my righteous boy. And Jesus has said this to John, the anointed one, six months older than him, you know, come to Baron Elizabeth, and she has this baby, she and her husband. And, and so John is, is saying, I, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to untie the, your, your sandals here. But Jesus says, but permitted at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. This is all part of the plan that the Father has put in place, and Jesus being the Son is walking it out. This is the very beginning of the three years.
and the very beginning takes place when he goes first for John to baptize him. And John has just been a baptism of repentance. He doesn't need to be repent. He doesn't need to be baptized. But Jesus says, permit this. Let me be baptized by you to fulfill all righteousness. God always acts in accordance with what is right and is himself the final standard of what is right. Righteousness is a statement about God's moral nature, and it means that he never does wrong. God's righteousness means that he cannot do wrong. Now, this is the assumption of Christians that we have about who this God creator is. That he is righteous, that whatever he says and does is right, and that not only that, but he can do no wrong because of the attributes of his nature, of who the creator, Father God is. And that Jesus being born, son of man, son of God, you know, he too does no wrong. He lives out the 33 years righteously. Because our culture is rapidly, this culture, the Western, you know, now America is just as much as Europe. They are saying that's not true. And we're saying, no, that is true. The God that we serve is this way. So then that's going to leave us as walking illustrations Of him because we are his children, the sheep of his pasture. I mean, <laughs> you know, it starts off with God is righteous. There's some people that are righteous. Noah, you know, <laughs> Joseph, <laughs> Jesus, you know, and the culture wants, they've got that, oh yeah. So each of us are going to run in different days of our life into, into places where we're going to have to, you know, hopefully we're walking with God in the moment right then and we just naturally choose the right thing. But there may be some times where we, we haven't really right that minute, the last few days, we're kind of whatever, and we might choose wrongly you know, or something in front of them. And then would we go back and say, you know, I was, I was not walking with God that day when I was in front with you. And I want to apologize for what I did because I, I, did, I didn't do, I chose the left and I, I should have chose this right side. You'd think I could find my own spot where I was. Man is righteous only as much as his morality expressed in desires thoughts and deeds, conforms to that of God. Where he differs with God, he is unrighteous. Did that, do I need to do that again? No. Adam's sin has corrupted every man. 
Jesus Christ lived a perfectly righteous life and died for all our sins in order to free us from our punishment and credit us with his own righteousness, the righteousness of God. And then, John, that's where I had written under it, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Truth, here's another thought. Truth means conformity to a fact or reality. It has to do with the trustworthiness of the information. That's true. Something's true, not true. Okay? Righteousness indicates conformity of the heart, though, to the law of God. Truth, in a moment, and righteousness are not necessarily the same thing. The scriptures, you know, the, the prophets say that, ah, they don't know their right hand from their left hand. You know? Is that, uh, what's his name? Whale swallowing? The big fish. What, wasn't that what God was saying to him? I, I want you to go and preach to them. I don't want to go to preach to them. Yeah, I want you to go right. I want you to go to Nineveh in the middle of the town and preach to them. And he does. And, and they turn. And then he gets all upset. You know, he's out under, under that little tree and it comes up and he gets shade. You know, and God says to him, he said, I, I, I knew that if I went and preached to them, they, they would repent and then you'd forgive them. And God says back, well, they don't know their right hand from their left hand. The righteousness of man versus God. Because we live in a world in which people tend to think their ways are right in their own eyes, it is hard for many to accept the absolute standard of righteousness. That's what I was thinking about, Brooke, when I was coming up with the philosophy, the things. You know, it's like, okay, so they... they because we're all right in our own eyes, that's what's gone out across Western culture. I don't know about the rest of the world. It's hard then for people to accept this absolute standard of righteousness. The truth becomes relative. And people are capable of doing whatever they feel is right. Some think that righteous living was more about behavioral changes than heart transformation. Now, this was a, a, I didn't write down the guy's name. This guy started with this, and then he said, well, you know, I, I really can't trust my own motives. I think I know what's right, but left to myself, I don't trust my own motives. So then he has he went, he's a Christian, but he went from that over to saying, since I can't trust myself, I'm just going to have to trust, I'm just going to have to trust God. I can't change my heart. I, can't, I, can't, I don't have the power to, to make transformation by myself. God can convert me can change me. 
But he ended up saying it, it can only be done by God. It can't be done by us. Thank you for putting up with this. The, the, the track that I was on was this whole thing about righteous, about being. I get concerned about our society. I don't teach anymore. And like, you know, like Brooke was just now. Have you just retired or are you almost? Semi. Yeah. So you, you run into stuff like this all the time, their worldviews, when they're in your classroom. Cause they're, and that's in a Christian school. Right. I'm going to tell you a personal story for a second. So our friend Bobby, who used to live here in town, he lives up in Madison now. He's retired, and grandchild lives up that way, so he's up in Madison. And we've got a, a mutual friend that uh, has Parkinson's. And so Bobby, last week, or week, uh, he set it up for Tuesday. He said, um, can we come to the vineyard and use the vineyard on Tuesday, like 1130 or something? Uh, I've invited some people. He's told me their names. There's like seven of us. I've invited some people to come uh, to pray for our friend that has this condition. So we got in here, and we were going to do your typical, you know, there's seven of us. We're all going to pray for them. And I had been reading that little part about uh, a Jesus talking to John about, I mean, Jesus saying, permit me this, this righteousness. I've been with Michael Vine in the kitchen. He and I were going over about this verse and rolling it around. And I, somewhere in that, this is about an hour before anybody gets here. I said, you know, as much as we want our friend to be healed, I've got to confess that I need to want the will of God even more than I want him healed. That of the two things, as much as I want him healed, it's got to take the second seat to the, me wanting the will of God first. And even I don't know what that is, but I've got to choose the will of God first. So we were in the kitchen, and we were both, like yeah that's right i said so <clears throat> when we get in there if if you and i start kind of coming from our point because we were the only two that were pastors not that that was important it's just that we were pastors and the rest of them were all you know godly christian people and i said when we get in there if we see that the prayers are going to are going to go this way not a bad way just going to go this way but that we perceive that God wants to go this way in his will, are we going to say it out loud? Are we going to go, excuse me, we, we need to stop going this way because the will of God we sense, and of course this is all in humility, we sense the will of God is this way. He said, no, we, we need to. We so need to do that. So they come one by one, and we're kind of sitting out here in kind of a rough circle. 
One of them is a couple of minutes late due to their situation, and they came in. And as soon as they sat down, and I thought we would go into physical prayer, intercession for the nation fell upon us out of nowhere. Tears, one of them fell on the floor, crying out for the nation, crying out for the younger generation, all, all the children and grandchildren represented in there too, uh, just, just crying out for them. And this went on for like, I don't know, we stayed two hours, but, but the, probably the first 30 minutes was intercession. And then, it, and then God let it shift to healing prayer. So I'm telling you that because, because our righteous Father deserves people, his children, that will do whatever our righteous Father wants done in the moment, in that moment, despite what we want. As much as we, we want, and healing's just an example, as much as, as much as we want something, hopefully we'll want to want his will, even if it goes against what, what we wanted. Even, even if we go away on one small level disappointed because we didn't get to do this second. Yes, but, but, but we can go away not in pride, but in humility, but we can go away going, but we chose this over, we chose this first. I don't know what going on in all the churches in America, but if the churches in America, the people of God, don't choose the will of God first over everything they want, we are already, the ship is already sinking in America. And God will, God has always got some. There's always some. Like, in, you know, where he says, well, I'm the last one left. I still got 7,000 that's not bailed, bowed their knee to Baal. You know, uh, there's always some. Some somewhere. Well, let's just, let's just pray that he'll let us be some of that. Those people that will encourage each other. Seek God's face and not, you know, what it says. May we be like interceding for Israel when God was ready to wipe them out. Tired of them. Ten times they'd gone against him. I'm through with them. I'll make a new people. Up. Moses confronts God respectfully, but he confronts God over it. And Hanukkah does it again tonight at sunset. Representing, you know, the candles that stayed lit long, the oil lasted longer than it should. So this is the time of year that we celebrate the birth, even though we don't really know the birth time. We want to choose righteousness in you, Lord. We want to choose it in Jesus. We want to, his substitution his righteousness, that we be clothed in his righteousness, that we may be pleasing to you as your people, the sheep of your pasture.
this season, this next week, family gathers already starting together for things together and exchange gifts and all the things that we do in our culture of Christmas. And may, may we not be uh, distracted in the moments that we're supposed to act, do, think as your children. We thank you for this Advent. You are worthy, Lord Jesus, to be honored. Holy Spirit, wind of heaven, fire of God, pour out in us. Your will be in our ear, be in our heart, be in our dreams, be in our visions. That we may bring glory to God, our Father, and Jesus, his Son. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.